Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Less than uh, 24 hours away from Major League Baseball opening day in the 2018 season. The Minor League Baseball Podcast is back for yet another week. Welcome inside, everybody. My name is Tyler Mon. Sam Dykstra is in New York City as I tap dance and try to find 153 this episode number. <laughs> Hi, Sam. Hi. Hi. How are you? I love that we have a stream of consciousness. You know, we Always. have we're very upfront with everybody and how we do things. Here's one of the things that I've noticed about myself as of late. Like I work a bajillion jobs, as as you know, and as if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know, but I work this one, my primary job for MILB.com, which I love and I've had so much fun. It's my fifth season doing this, which is insane. Um, but I also do broadcasting work for the University of Denver, and I've I've realized that like as my schedule has gotten more and more insane, the less able I am to just keep my inner monologue inner. So, like, I don't – I think I've run down the resources that I have in my brain of just, like, keeping my thoughts inside, and now I just talk as I'm doing things. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we open up the podcast, I'm just going to tell you exactly what is happening. Um, that, you know. That must make Laika very confused. Yeah, yeah, although she is uh, – she's down below uh, – there's, like, a staircase right below where I record in my office, and she's very happy, happily chewing on a, a bison bone that I got her. Um, she's pretty, she's pretty pumped about it. It's like, we should point out that Leica is your dog. I right, feel like we're getting right. more and more like new listeners that and that's great. With. We're glad, glad to have you, but there are going to be some references you might not get. Yeah, yet. that's true. So that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be very strange if you just thought that we were talking about some random person <laughs> just hanging out of my house, chewing on a bone. Um, but hi, welcome inside episode number 153 of the show before the show podcast from MILB.com. I'm Tyler Mon, Sam Dykstra in New York. As mentioned, thanks for tuning in wherever you found us. Like Sam said, uh, we've been getting a ton of listens and a ton of downloads out as of late. And if you, uh, are joining us for the first time or are new, Get in touch with the podcast um, with your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, suggestions, spam emails. That's what we get most of. Podcast at MILB.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter. Sam is at Sam Dykstra, MILB. Minor League Baseball at MILB. And I am at Tyler Mon. And uh, give us a rating and a review and a subscription wherever you find us. And we would be oh so kind and happy and thankful. Uh, and we're at MILB.com slash podcast as well. If, in fact you have not tuned into the show before and would like to go catch up. We got podcast episode descriptions and all kinds of stuff back there. Um, we got a terrific tweet last week from a gentleman who was – I the impression that I got, he was moving across the country, I think, from Northern California or Oregon to the Western Slope of Colorado, but he listened to old episodes of the podcast like his entire drive, which – that sounds like a prison sentence to me, but he <laughs> apparently liked it um, and was uh, was very complimentary about it. Yeah, no, that was, that really warmed my heart. That was one yeah, of the best things I've ever seen on a, on a website not necessarily known for heartwarming messages. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was really neat. Uh, I've been on long road trips. My, my family grew up driving to Ohio every year, and there were some stretches where it got very silent. We didn't have podcasts back then. Um, so I feel like... And that's the most my voice has ever been used on a, a road trip. So the yeah. fact that he still felt good enough about us to tweet us afterwards and say our voices aren't annoying uh, makes me feel good, A, about ourselves, and B, that we're okay in one-hour doses once a week. That Yeah. It's even better when you can slow us down and only have to listen to us at one hour at a time. 
Uh, and that we're we're not if you continue to like back those episodes up against each other that we're not going to send you over the edge like you're apparently going to be okay to do operate heavy machinery for an extended period of time even if you're listening to the podcast yeah it's not like you're just gonna like fall asleep out of boredom <laughs> or whatever else what have you we, we mix things up well enough to to keep things interesting on whatever highway you're driving at this time <laughs> um so that welcome inside um i uh I'm very excited for opening day. Tomorrow is the big leagues opening day today. If you're listening on Thursday, the day on which we released the the podcast, but um, Josh Jackson and I down in Arizona last week, we each went home on Friday. I got back here to uh, beautiful Denver, Colorado, but I should say formerly beautiful because it was like sixties and seventies over the weekend. Then it was like a high of 60 on Monday. It snowed Monday night. It's currently this like disgusting mix of rain and snow outside, like as I'm talking and uh, not pleased, not pleased with that. It's spring is most definitely not in the air. No, I'm in a Denver, annoyed. Colorado. We've already had a game banged in the majors, which was really surprising. Uh, Cincinnati and Washington are already postponing their game, I think, to Friday. That's why they have that buffer. Yeah, uh, the weather but, day is early on in the season. Yeah, as exciting as it is to start start the season on March 29th and get everything going, you know, earlier, and that means more off days for players uh, over the course of the season and all that kind of stuff. That it's all good stuff, uh, and everybody's starting on the the same day. I really like that. Unless the game got postponed, um, it's just it, it's really weird to think of like March 29th as an opening day. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, going to take me a few true. years to get used to that, but that's okay. I'm I'm happy it's here. It's also a little ironic, too, that, like, we get this new opening day set up and everybody's opening on the same day and all that excitement and the team that traditionally opened decade after decade of Major League Baseball seasons is the one that's been postponed due to inclement weather in the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> a little strange. Yeah, that's where um, that goes. But, hey, you know, the uh, the baseball, the weather gods, I guess, don't care about baseball at all. And um, so let's get started. Let's talk some minor league baseball as we get close to opening day of 2018. We are, as you're listening to this, one week away from minor league baseball opening day coming up on the 5th of April. And uh, we got a whole bunch of prospect primers that are already up on the site right now. A whole lot more to come. Again, we're releasing these um, alphabetically. And so we've gotten through uh, over half of the National League and I think now over half of the American League as well. Um, but Sam, your, uh, your initial thoughts, we've gotten a lot of feedback on some of these systems are just so interesting that it's difficult to nail down who you want to talk about in a lot of these organizations. And you and I were just talking about that a second ago, where you want to slot in prospects, which one of our designations you want to give to certain guys. Um, it, that's the fun challenge about writing the prospect primers. But some of these systems have so many interesting guys that it's like tough to narrow down who you want to focus on for these. Yeah. Sometimes the, uh, the more to keep an eye on section, uh, can get really, really interesting. Cause Very weighty. Yeah. yeah there, That's where you put guys who don't fit a category. You know, maybe in the future we'll change our categories or whatever, but um, sometimes there are times where you're like, I would really like to write about this guy and write several paragraphs about him. I just can't fit him in somewhere else or, you know, his tools aren't loud enough to take loudest tool or, you know, there, he's not the shining star in the system, so I can't call him a shining star, but he's definitely worthy of writing. Um, one system I wanted to talk about kind of along those lines and kind of surprised me in that way was the Houston Astros. Uh, I had them, I think they, that system ran on Monday and that's a system, you know, coming off a world series, you would expect would be kind of bone dry. You know, you would get everybody up to the majors that you needed in some ways. They kind of did that. Derek Fisher, uh, graduated at the end of last year. Um, and, and you know, they've seen graduations of Carlos Correa in recent years and, um, you know, Alex Bregman graduated. All these kind of big names are already up with the team. And they're all a lot of them are homegrown talent. Uh, so you would think like there's not going to be much here to write about, except there really was. And, and there was more than I was expecting when I sat down to say, OK, how am I going to lay this out? Um, you know, obviously, yeah, you, you kind of have to start at the top with the shining star of Kyle Tucker. Uh, you know, he was kind of the story of the spring for the Astros outside of how are they going to repeat um, you know, you know, Jose Altuve is good. You know, Correa is good. You know, Bregman's good. You know, George Springer is good. But for Kyle Tucker to really take the reins this spring and hit as well as he did, I think he led the team in spring home runs, um, you know, was maybe the best rookie hitter in either the Grapefruit or Cactus League. You know, he got that nickname of Ted, 
Um, and, and one of my favorite things, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ted was not, uh, it's not, it's after Ted Williams, his swing is supposed to be as beautiful as Ted Williams. A lot of guys in that locker room really like his swing, but it's not Ted Williams. It's not Kyle Tucker, you know, is Ted Williams. He's just Ted. That's all it was. I thought I, it was, I thought it was the Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh uh, yeah. Like, oh, it's a he, big bear. He's, he's so cute and you small know. and he's still young and that, that would have worked too. A little bit vulgar, you know, a little bit. Yeah. No, he's a very quiet guy. Think, yeah. I was going to say, I don't think that's at all the case with Kyle. Tucker, yeah. So. He was, he was not coming in there like a bull in a China shop. He was very much wide eyed and taking everything in. Um, but what stood out to me about my discussion with Pete Patilla, the director of player development with the Astros is, you know, Tucker split his year last year between Bowie's Creek and Corpus Christi at, uh, at high A and double A. And, you know, given his age, you know, he's still in his early 20s. Uh, I thought he might be going back to Corpus Christi, even though he did really well there. But when I asked, is he a candidate for Fresno? Pete said, yeah, he's definitely a candidate. Uh, and I think this spring has really helped him in that way. And I won't, you know, rosters aren't out yet by the time we're talking. I doubt they're going to be out by tomorrow. Um, but even if Tucker is at Corpus to begin the year, the way they were talking, it made it sound like he could get a quick bump to Fresno. Uh, if he really hits back at Corpus the way he ended last year or maybe even starts the, weir- the year there. And this quote really stood out to me, which was, given the way the ball flies in that league, speaking of the Pacific Coast League, I'm sure he'll do really well there. So they expect whenever he gets to the PCL, whether that's opening day 2018, whether that's May, June, whatever, that he can put up some really eye-popping numbers in the PCL. And if he does that, you know, the, the weak link right now in the Astros lineup might be left field. Uh, they've got some questions there. Derek Fisher seems like he's going to be the starter there, but they've got some other options. Um, so, you know, there, there is an opening for Tucker to take. You know, if he continues this spring into the first couple months of the minor leagues, as young as he is, you know, the Astros will, will take him. You know, they're, they're not going to hold back uh, thinking like, oh, we've got this set. You know, they want to repeat. They want all hands on deck. And uh, so to see him take this opportunity as he has this spring and really run with it and see that it's really opened eyes in the organiz- organization has been really cool. Uh, one other one I want to touch on in that system real fast is Jorge Alcala. Uh, he was the guy who split last year between Class A Quad Cities and Class A Advanced Bowie's Creek. Uh, some pretty good numbers, 3.05 ERA, 188 average against, 95 strikeouts, 109 in third innings. Uh, but again, here's another quote from Patilla that stuck out to me. I think every... Every start after past May 15th, he hit 100 miles an hour as a starter and touched 102 a couple times. His fastball sits at 98. Uh, so for a guy in the low minors to already be doing that, that's that's really eye-popping. Um, that's going to you know, kind of come on your radar. Uh, over the discussion I had with Patilli, he kept bringing up, you know, we know we're going to be losing pitching in a couple years. A lot of these guys are free agents in two years. We're really kind of striving to see what we have in the system. Uh, Alcala has put himself in that conversation, uh, and he might be perfectly online. You know, if he ended last year at Bowie's Creek, you know, we're talking about Double A this year. You know, potentially an MLB debut next year. So once those guys become free agents, uh, you know, he's right in that mix for a major league spot if everything continues. So uh, really interesting. He's not a name who was necessarily on my radar last year, but when you, you start to put up that velocity of 102 at times, that that's going to really grab your attention. So he'll be one to watch these first couple months, see how that velocity carries on into the early months of 2018. Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing how loaded the Astros still get to be. Like even – everything that they've graduated winning a world series and we've seen the cubs and the royals put together those same types of systems and then they win a world series and it's like all right well you know that was the whole point and the cubs are still very good at the major league level and the royals think they're gonna compete this year major league level and last year and hanging around and making multiple world series and all that and the astros are just like yeah no we'll probably just reload <laughs> yeah we had them at, at number 10 in our farm system rankings a couple weeks ago which just seems you know nuts to think about um, I guess the Cubs last year, they still had Ian Happ, which I guess would be like the Tucker equivalent. Um, yeah, true. But even Forrest Whitley, who I would have loved to really include in that primer, but can't because it's an opening day piece and he's suspended for the first 50 games. He's another blue chipper who really, you know, who they are banking on breaking that rotation uh, by 2019. So, yeah, they just keep going. Uh, and if they keep plugging the, their holes like this, I mean, we might be talking dynasty 
Uh, we'll be getting into our major league predictions later, but they are well set up as anybody to to keep this train rolling. The uh, two primers that I have that are already out, I got a couple coming up in the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers, um, which will be uh, just prior to opening day, but the Colorado Rockies and the Cincinnati Reds. I think the Reds are the more interesting system of those two um, because of their top-level guy and one of their youngest guys, but who is maybe the most interesting prospect um, in the system. Nick Senzel, obviously, the the way he came into pro ball as a hitter has done he's done nothing to dissuade the drooling over his bat I mean everybody loved Nick Senzel's hit tool Um, I think he's graded as a 70 right now just in his pure hit ability uh, from the MLB pipeline rankings nobody questioned what he was able to do offensively but what I thought was interesting is talking with Jeff Grappa the Reds director of player development is defensively he's been steady and solid and just doesn't get a whole lot of recognition for that because of how good he is as a hitter so he's an above average defender in the Reds eyes Nobody talks about that because he's so good defensively. We talked about this a little bit um, just at the start of 2018, the calendar year. The Reds said that Senzel would be tested in a a multitude of positions this year. He was drafted as a shortstop out of college. He played short in college. He's played third base as a pro. He's going to get some second base time. There was even a mention um, from Reds Brass that he could get a look in the outfield, something that Todd Frazier did coming up in that system. Um But the Reds really, really like what Nick Senzel is able to do defensively. And I got a chance to talk to a bunch of player development people about this emphasis on positional versatility in baseball right now and why that seems to be such a big trend. Whereas you used to be able to kind of have one bread and butter position defensively, and that was what you could do to make it to the major leagues. Um, Nowadays, Jeff Grappe, I think, said it best, and his quote from our prospect primer is, quote, when you're trying to put the best nine out there every day, it's difficult to be a one-position player. It just puts way more pressure on your development track. When he came in, when he first came in, everyone talked about Nick's hitting and his approach. He almost got labeled as that and not the athlete that he is, so it's been fun to kind of untether him and let him go be the gifted young man that he is. So the Reds have really liked being able to turn Nick Senzel onto a bunch of different positions and watch him succeed there, and what that does it opens up multiple pathways to get him to the major leagues. Because if you're a Reds prospect, you're probably not going to crack the major league lineup at a corner infield position. The Reds are pretty well set on the corner infield spots. I don't think anybody is going to somehow slip in and figure out a way to, you know, dethrone uh, (laughs) the – what can we – what can we say about Joey Votto's um, ball launching skills onto the roof of Wrigley Field? Because that's my favorite thing that, like, anybody in baseball does – what? I feel like that that should have a nickname. When when Joey Votto just launches baseballs onto the roof at Wrigley oh, Field. My my favorite thing is just Joey Votto refusing to swing. <laughs> there was, I, I think Fangraphs did something like that. If we just took away Joey Votto's bat, yeah, so like nobody knew he didn't have a bat anymore. What yeah. would his actual on base percentage still yeah. be? And it was he probably still reached. Still reach like a 300 rate, but I mean, between him, um, Eugenio Suarez, like you're not going to be, um, somebody who is a regular at a corner infield spot in the Reds organization if you're coming up in one of those positions. So for Nick Senzel, the emphasis is you got to learn how to do something else, whether it's second base, whether it's third, uh, shortstop. You can spell guys at third. You can spell guys at first, perhaps. You can play in the corner outfield. You just have to have different avenues to get to the majors. Beyond him, Hunter Green, obviously, a fascinating case. And there was a full story that we talked about last week on Hunter Green, uh, the Reds' sort of two-way prospect. I guess we could still call Hunter Green that because even though he's going to focus primarily on pitching, Jeff Grappe said, we're going to give his bat some attention. We're going to continue to do that for him because it's such a weapon as part of his game. Didn't commit to whether or not that could be in games or was just going to be kind of a a batting practice or a workout and exercise type of thing. Um, But it doesn't seem like the Reds are totally shutting the door on Hunter Green, at least being able to hit. Um, So I thought that was really cool, too. But there are some really interesting pieces uh, in that system. Jose Siri, who last year, of course, had the the hitting streak in the Midwest League and turned himself into a terrific everyday outfielder. Um, This year, he'll make the climb. He'll be with Class A Advanced Daytona. Tyler Stevenson is healthy, the catching prospect in that system. He's had just kind of some nagging stuff over the last couple of years. Jeter Downs, the shortstop prospect who was drafted last year, right behind at least in the red selections right behind hunter green so there's some really interesting pieces in that red system yeah no i I like that system a lot um 
And, you know, I really feel like they need a win, kind of. They've had some player development. I, w- I won't say missteps, but like Robert Stevenson hasn't worked out quite the way they, they would have hoped. Amir Garrett had a rough year. A lot of that had to do with injuries when he finally made the majors last year. Uh, but Senzel looks like the real deal. Green looks like a real ace uh, eventually and doesn't really have those same questions that Garrett or Stevenson did. Um, and Tyler Molly's already made the major league rotation. So you can really see where the, you know, the dawn is kind of coming for that red system. But uh, I think 2018 will be a big one in terms of can they continue down the path they're going or do they need to kind of start a rebuild all over again? So prospect primers up on the site right now. We've got over half of them posted and the rest coming between now and opening day. Um, as you listen to this podcast more will be there we're recording on the 28th and coming up on the 29th the philadelphia phillies the oakland athletics the new york yankees um in reverse alphabetical order for those teams that i just read them out for some reason um but they're all great and they're all interesting uh, up on the site you can kind of get tuned into guys that maybe you didn't know a ton about coming into the season because we get a chance to look at guys who aren't just your team's top prospects um Speaking of top prospects, though, strike two, Sam. We are getting um, really everything finalized as far as opening day rosters go in Major League Baseball over the last few days, and top 100 prospects are going to be on rosters across the big leagues to start this season, and you've got a look up on the site at who is going to be on those rosters. Kind of give us a, a run through some of the biggest names. Yeah, one of one the ones that – I guess it was kind of a surprise, but um, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say it in a pleasant way. We, you know, we got to see how the contract's going to work out. And um, the, but Scott Kingery signing a six-year deal with I think three option years uh, was a, I didn't see that coming. Uh, th- that's kind of fun because it means he's going to be on an opening day roster with the Phillies. Uh, obviously, really impressed Gabe Kapler. Uh, with the way he could play multiple positions, he's traditionally a second baseman. Uh, I know they tried him out at shortstop and third base last year uh, while he was in the high minors. They've even given him some time in the outfield at center and in right. Um, you know, they want to kind of use him everywhere because, you know, Cesar Hernandez is a pretty good player. He's a pretty good second baseman. He's not somebody who you should be actively looking to replace. Uh, you know, this isn't exactly a Freddie Galvis situation as good as Freddie Galvis was defensively. You know, he had some questions offensively, so you ship him to the Padres. J.P. Crawford plugs in right away. You've got, you know, your opening day shortstop. He's a prospect still. The future is now at that position. How you fit Kingery in here is going to be interesting. But again, he's like Tucker had a really hot spring and that's coming off a really strong season. Um, you know, he's continuing to hit home runs as a surprising rate. Uh, this isn't something he did at college. It's not something he did in his early years in the Philly system. A lot of that does have to do with the long changle revolution. Uh, you know, talking to his dad at spring training this year, he said he was taught in college, get the ball on the ground. You know, you're going to be a guy who we want to take advantage of your plus plus velocity, uh, or your plus plus speed, excuse me. Um, and you know, just try to get the ball on the ground. We'll let you get to first and then we'll steal second and that's how we'll get you extra bases, all that kind of stuff. Phillies have started to work with him and he's worked on the off season a lot working with Aaron judge, uh, you know, getting the ball in the air. He's got pretty good bat speed. Let him take advantage of that. Um, and now the Phillies want him to do that for the long term. Now giving him a six year contract. Uh, we'll have to see how good it is from a, from a player standpoint, you know, he gave up a lot of bargaining power there. He, he signed away his arbitration years. Uh, he's going to be set for life, so you know nobody's really crying for him about that. Um, but you know some of these arbitration numbers are getting into, you know, the seven eight digits at this point. Um, you know maybe if he lives up to his potential, he's signing away that. Anyways, that we can have that discussion another day. But Scott Kingery being in the Phillies roster on opening day is really fun. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why they can be a kind of surprising team this year. They've got a lot of young talent all coming together at one point, and you're adding Jake Arrieta and adding Carlos Santana. That makes that team a lot of fun. Uh, the other guy I want to talk about is Brandon Woodruff. Um, there are a lot of names on opening day rosters that I feel like are obvious. Crawford is one of them. Otani is another. Lewis Brinson, people were on the fence whether he was going to be the starting center fielder in Miami or not. Uh, they officially answered that question. He will definitely be the starting center fielder. Brandon Woodruff was a little bit of a surprise for me. Uh, last year, he spent some time with the Brewers. He was actually supposed to make his debut earlier in the season. 
Ended up having an injury, got scratched from what was supposed to be his debut. Uh, didn't make his debut until August. Posted a 4.81 ERA in eight starts, 32 strikeouts, 14 walks. Decent numbers, but not exactly somebody who's like, okay, this is somebody we definitely need to start the next year in the majors. And the Brewers, you know, we've seen through their acquisitions of Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, they're really going for it. They want to be a team that can at least be a wild card spot or potentially push the Cubs in the NL Central. Um, so, you know, bringing up Woodruff, they're going to use him out of the bullpen to start, but that's only until they really need their fifth spot in the rotation. Uh, what they've basically said is, listen, we don't want to send him back to AAA Colorado Springs. We don't want him potentially getting shellacked there or not learning anything. We want him to learn here. He might not be necessarily our best option or, you know, he might not exactly put up, you know, a 3.0 ERA, something like that. But we want him to be learning here, seeing what major league hitting can do to him and adjusting to that rather than trying to adjust to some extreme hitting environments in Springs or in the PCL in general, uh, which I think is a very interesting strategy uh, in this time of kind of service time concerns and all that kind of stuff. And maybe pushing back guys' clocks if you want them to stay long term. Uh, deciding, no, this is where this guy can learn best and most uh, is very refreshing to hear that from a club uh, and especially a contending one like the Brewers who, you know, they're going to need all the wins they can get in April and May so they can be in a contending spot come, you know, July around the trade deadline to kind of check in and see where they are. Uh, so we'll have to see how Woodruff does. If he stumbles out of the blocks, well, the Brewers were prepared for that and that's fine. Um, but you know, if he takes off, shows all the potential of a top 100 prospect that he is, uh, that, you know, the Brewers will look even smarter. So I'll be keeping a close eye on that one in the weeks and months to come. Really interesting one. He's not a top 100 prospect, but he is the seventh ranked prospect in his organization. And, uh, Jordan Hicks will jump to the major leagues, having never pitched above class a advanced, which is crazy. But the, uh, St. Louis Cardinals right-handed pitching prospect who was actually sent down to minor league camp pretty early on, um, Hicks, that was due to a, a totally different, uh, reason. He was not apparently arriving on time for team meetings. And so, Cardinals decided to send him down to minor league camp, but the fact that he can touch triple digits, um, the Cardinals really like his attitude on the mound, uh, breaks camp with a major league club. He's never pitched above the Florida State League and is going to be on a big league roster. Pretty incredible. Yeah, that, yeah that's really cool. I, I really like when they uh, when they decide, like, listen, your pure stuff is best. We, we know what your future role is. Let's just get it over with. We like what we see, and we're just going to start that clock right away. Um, that, that kind of stuff should be celebrated in the game and just knowing what you have and using it to the best of its ability is, is something we don't always see. Obviously, Ronald Acuna is not on an opening day roster with the Braves, even though he's obviously the best left field option for the Braves at this point. Um, so when the, you know, the Cardinals, Brewers, some of these organizations, even Phillies, uh, by agreeing to a long-term deal with Kingery, uh, when they do see talent, acknowledge it, and realize they need it on their major league roster. That's that's good, and that's where the game should be going. Some cool news from a pitching prospect, unfortunately, leads us to some downer news for another pitching prospect in strike three, and that is this from the Oakland Athletics organization. The A's said on Tuesday that Tommy John surgery is the recommendation for left-handed pitching prospect, the second-ranked pitching prospect in all of baseball, A.J. Puck. Um, initially, didn't look like this was going to be a huge issue. Um, Puck last week was shut down after experiencing left bicep soreness after making a start on March 18th in the Cactus League. Uh, and then coming later on in the week, in, in the early part of this week, there was some discussion that maybe it was a little bit larger issue. John Heyman of MLB Network reported that there was concern in the team side that the soreness could be related to something with the ligament. Dr. James Andrews took a look at the ligament for A.J. Puck and recommended Tommy John surgery um, um, unfortunately, this seems like an annual thing that we get toward the start of the season and baseball loses one of its top prospects to Tommy John surgery. Uh, you know, this is something that for the A's, I think you were kind of counting on a relatively advanced track for A.J. Puck, who, you know, last year made it to double A pretty well thrived. I mean, he made 13 starts from Midland, which isn't the most pitcher friendly of environments, a 4.36 ERA and double A, but uh, a high pitch ability projection at the major league level he's 22 years old the first round pick back in 2016 this is just a downer because it pushes everything back at least a year maybe more for aj puck and the a's 
Yeah, and there were some rumblings that maybe they were considering him for a major league spot to begin the year this year. He was that good. Um, I think Bob Melvin was really surprised at how good he was doing and really accepted the questions. You know, he didn't brush them off as much as, you know, do you think he could crack the rotation? He's like, you know, I'm not going to do that to a guy who's done half a season at double A. But, you know, he has been good enough to, to look the part. And, you know, to see his velocity dip a little bit in those last couple of starts and then to have this happen, it's just it's a real bummer. Uh, having already lost Brent Honeywell this spring, um, adding Puck to that list. You know, we've obviously gone through this a couple of times with with big prospects. Alex Reyes is returning from Tommy John surgery now, um, but it doesn't get any more. I won't even say more fun. It doesn't get easier to take. Uh, the more we hear about it and even with more success stories like I want these guys progressing in their careers as quickly as they can I don't want anybody getting hurt either doing it um, so you know it, it's part of this kind of thing that's going through baseball right now is that a lot of pitchers go through surgery uh, it, it's tough to think of a time where a pitcher's not getting injured you know even Clayton Kershaw who we hold up to be the standard of pitching in this age has had his fair share of injury problems over the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, hopefully this cleans up any problem that, that happens with AJ puck. I don't think he's got, undergone the surgery yet. Uh, when Dr. James Andrews gets involved and says, you probably need TJ, it's probably going to happen imminently. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just disappointing that we're going to be talking about him as a prospect again next year and a recovering one at that, that's just going to have so many more questions about how his stuff is going to recover from the surgery and all that. So, uh, you know, wishing all the best to him in, in that recovery and all that. And hopefully he gets it over with quickly so he can come back quickly. Um, but yeah, just a disappointing year for, for a big time A's prospect. And it wasn't just A.J. Puck for the A's. Uh, Jarrell Cotton, a former top prospect in that system, also underwent Tommy John surgery. Of course, the Tampa Bay Rays lost Jose De Leon and Brent Honeywell. It just seems like every year, it's unfortunate, but every year we go through this with some frequency uh, when it comes to prospects. And, of course, it's not just prospects. Um, this just happens now in the game. And uh, the the downer part about it, you know, last year was Alex Reyes with the St. Louis Cardinals. downer part about it is you can't see – these players as quickly as you would like to the good part about it is when these guys are ready then they're really ready and you're not quite as concerned about the health issues once they get to the major league level I think if you're AJ Puck all things being equal and this of course is taking into consideration um, you know the fact that there is still a risk coming back from Tommy John surgery you could have a situation like the horrible injury we saw to Daniel Winkler former top prospect for the Atlanta Braves and the Colorado Rockies uh, who came back after Tommy John surgery and then I think had the ligament detach while pitching in a major league game so there are still significant risks after you come back but if you're AJ Puck if you're Alex Reyes if you're Brent Honeywell I think you would rather have this happen now where you're still on your developmental track than make it into the major leagues pitch well for half a season and then all of a sudden the arm blows out so right well you know, I, I, I'd also make the point though that if it happens when you're in the major leagues you get put on the major league disabled list true and you're that still paid as a, well. a 40-man member um yeah, it's difficult when you're you haven't quite yet been a major leaguer, right? Uh, which is the, that's a good point. Is that's the a case very here? Yeah, I mean, yes, you're true. It's absolutely true. You would rather hit the ground running in the majors and not get a taste of it and then get put away. I totally get that point, but um, you know, to not have that major league salary or that major league salary makes a lot of things more palatable. I think. Yeah. That is the absolute truth. Um, so that'll do it for three strikes. Uh, we're excited. We were talking about maybe doing a foul ball for this week's edition, but next week is one of our funnest stories of the year. We are going to look back on our 2017 edition of this story, but it really wasn't as interesting as we thought it was going to be looking at it. But our under-the-radar prospects uh, story comes up on, uh, I believe – Tuesday, but now of course I can't remember when it's actually going to be released. Um, but it, oh, Monday, Monday it's coming out. But this is one of our most read stories each year. Uh, so we all come up with blurbs for one prospect from each organization for whom we did the prospect primer. That story is coming up on Monday, and that's always a fun one. It gets crazy clicks for whatever reason. Yeah, well, it, it's always fun to. I mean, that's the the good thing about the minors is that we get to guys before a lot of other people do, um, and this is just. A, a level baked into that of 
here are guys, even a lot of people who cover the minors or get really deep into the minors may not have heard of yet, uh, but could be primed for big seasons or big prospect jumps or, you know, have the tools to be successful, whatever. So we'll all explain it in the piece, but it's always fun. So we are uh, wrapping up three strikes with this week's edition of the show before the show. We'll hear from Benjamin Hill coming up here in a little bit. Road trip schedules are being released as of right now for Ben's 2018 trips, including perhaps a special guest who you hear on this podcast weekly and is not me. So get excited for people <laughs> who are in the destinations where Ben will be visiting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the big league season coming up and how prospects could impact the major league season coming up next. Major League Opening Day, the day that you are listening to this podcast, March 29th, so early this year, and uh, we figured we'd talk some big league stuff in terms of uh, some predictions and thoughts for the 2018 season and how top prospects could play into their roles with respective teams in 2018. Sam, when you look at the American League and the National League division winners postseason picture, what uh, going into this season, and things will obviously look markedly different by like you know 15 minutes in because that seems to be how it always goes, but what's, uh, what's your inkling right now as far as division winners and wild card winners go. Yeah, so I'll speed through this real fast. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of consensus in some of this, but there's one hot take that I have in here, and if you follow me on Twitter, you already know what it is, but I'll get to that later. Uh, AL East, Yankees, AL Central, Indians, AL West, Astros, AL Wild Card, the Red Sox and Angels, and then in the ALCS, I have the Astros over the Yankees. In the NL, NL East, Nationals, NL Central, Cubs, NL West, Dodgers, and a wild card, I have the Cardinals and the Phillies. And then in the NLCS, I have the Nationals over the Dodgers. Your World Series champions wow. for 2018, I have the Astros over the Nationals in six games. Bing, wow. bang, boom. Right, so you right have like the that. Washington Nationals, who have never won a playoff series, winning the National League Division Series and National League Championship. That is correct, yes. But not winning the World Series because, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like the, the Astros are such a juggernaut right now. Um, it's really interesting if you look at the Fangraphs projected standings, and I'm not basing this off this completely, um, but I think they're projected for 100 wins, and the second best team is 95. And usually these things really cluster. So for okay. them to be five wins different in a projection is is really telling. Um, but not only that, I, I I can't remember who exactly it was, uh, but some radio host this year said, how can you not make the New York Yankees the favorite in the American League this year? And it's actually quite simple. The Astros were very, very, very good last year. Uh, Carlos Correa is getting a year older and more mature. Uh, Jose Altuve is still in his prime. George Springer is getting closer to his prime. They're getting a full year of Justin Verlander, a full year of Garrett Cole, who they added in the, the offseason. They've already got a really strong rotation beyond those guys. Uh, it's so strong that they probably have six guys who should be, you know, a three or four starter at least in the major leagues. Uh, I, there's just too much to like about this Astros team for me to pick against them. And the Nationals, the reason I picked them in in the National League, um, basically is because I feel like they're due. Um, and I know that sounds more of a hunch than anything, but, you know, they have two really good starters in Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg. You got Bryce Harper playing in a contract year. Uh, you've got an outfield that is very, very good and is potentially going to add Victor Robles at any time. We'll get into that when we're talking about prospects. Um, you know, the, if they get a chance to roll Max Scherzer three times in a playoff series, if they can get over that LDS hump, you know, pitch Scherzer three times, have Strasburg as a relief option in a Game 7 scenario, I just find it so difficult to pick against them. So that that's kind of what I see going for the Nationals this year. Really like the Dodgers. It's difficult for me to pick against them. But the idea that we're going to get two World Series, you know, opponents the same back-to-back -back years uh, is difficult to predict. So I'll go Astros over Nationals. That's the way I kind of see things out. It would not surprise me if it's Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, any of those teams that eventually makes it there. But if I had to pick today, which is what I'm doing, that's what I see it. Man, that is uh, – that's a – good solid series of picks i in order to be somewhat devil's advocate i guess i'm gonna go with um some more of the two sides of picks that i have i'll go with the bolder takes then um, <laughs> not for the division winners in, i agree everybody. 
I agree on pretty much all of them with the division winners, the Yankees in the East and the American League, Cleveland in the Central and the Astros in the West. Um, for the wild cards, though, I'm going to say this is a three-team American League West. I'm going to say the Seattle Mariners shock the planet and grab the second wild card spot behind the Angels. How you like so, that? So you're shutting out the Red Sox then? I am shutting out the Red Sox. Can I ask why? Nah, just because it's, you know, interesting for the conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, more than anything um no i mean the astros are certainly uh or the red sox are certainly the talented team that should be in that spot taking the the top wild card if not the second wild card but hey man the mariners we've talked about this so much on this pod i feel like the mariners are the team that we've oddly enough talked about at the major league level more than any other team because their minor league system has been used to try to supplement these major league teams to make some kind of playoff run and they just haven't been able to catch lightning in a bottle the seattle mariners have the longest playoff drought in American professional sports. The Seattle Mariners have not been in the playoffs since 2001. The Buffalo Bills have been in the playoffs more recently now. The Buffalo Bills were in the playoffs this year, uh, or this season, I guess I should say, and uh, and the Seattle Mariners have not uh, made the playoffs since 2001. So, hey, man, I'm going to say lightning in a bottle for the Mariners. Um, in the National League, I do have the Nationals in the East, the Cubs in the Central, Dodgers in the West. Uh, for the wild cards, I'm going Rockies and Mets. The Mets, if that starting rotation holds – that team is terrifying. Um, I just going into last year, all the discussion about just how good that rotation was going to be, and then everything broke down simultaneously. If and it's a big if, but if you can keep Noah Syndergaard, Stephen Matz, Jacob Degrom, Matt Harvey, all those guys, if they stay healthy, that's an ace going four out of five days for the Mets. Like that's how good that rotation can be. So. I, it's obviously a very difficult contingency uh, because health is so unreliable, especially with pitching, but um, I, I feel like the Mets are going to get it back on track this year. Um, in the interest of being a contrarian, uh, I'm going to go Dodgers over Cubs in the National League Championship Series, and I'm going to go with the uh, New York Yankees over the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series and the division or the coast-to-coast division champion formerly – postseason rival series that everybody was counting on last year for major league baseball and the Yankees and Dodgers will be the world series. And I think the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to pull a Kansas city Royals from the back-to-back years in which they made the world series lost at the first time, ended up winning it the second time. The drought ends in 2018 for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Congratulations <laughs> to the Dodgers who are now definitely not winning the world series because I picked them. <laughs> no, I like that pick a lot. I mean, I really like the Dodgers, the way they're set up. I think somebody called it like they have one of the more boring off seasons just because they were so good. It's difficult to find yeah. a place where they obviously should. That's the improve. thing. Like they just don't need anything. Right. I was talking about this with Mike Farron of MLB network radio. When we were down in spring training, Josh Jackson and I, and Mike's point was for the Dodgers. When you look at what makes the Dodgers good, it's that when somebody goes down with the Dodgers, you're bringing in a replacement level major leaguer to replace him rather than bringing in a triple a guy who is below replacement level. Like if you have a player that goes down on that roster, as Mike put it, everybody that you're able to replace him with in Los Angeles is like a full grade level better than what every other team has in reserve. That's why that team is so successful year after year. So yeah, the offseason, they didn't really need to do anything. Right. And, and to kind of pivot to, you know, prospects and, and what, you know, how those guys are going to affect some of these races, the Dodgers are really well built to continue that. And to your point, Tyler, bringing guys up from AAA, you know, Alex Verdugo already did a full year at AAA. And any yeah. other system, we're saying, like, this guy should be in the opening day conversation. Why is he not in the opening day conversation? And for yeah. the Dodgers, it's like, well, where does he fit? You know, you'd rather get right. him There's no spot regular him. playing time. Right. So, you know, yeah, in an ideal world, they wouldn't have Matt Kemp blocking him. But also, if Matt Kemp wasn't in the picture, Andrew Tolles is back in the picture. And yeah. he was a guy who was a bona fide major leaguer before he got hurt last year. He has to go back to OKC, too. Uh, Walker Bueller. Would love to see him in the majors this year. Yeah. Uh, would love to see him in a starting role. There's not really a spot in that starting rotation right now for him. And also they're going to be watching his innings and all that kind of stuff, and I get that. Um, so it's better for him to kind of get elongated at uh, Oklahoma City. But how fun would it be to see him start the year in kind of a middle relief role, doing two, three innings at a time, and then working his way into a starting role, major leagues beginning to end. But they just they can't fit him. 
That's just not the way that's going to work. So, you know, injuries are going to happen to the Dodgers. That's just the way life works. Uh, but when they can call up somebody like Verdugo, call up somebody like Bueller, somebody like Tolls, whatever, uh, that's a team that can just continue rolling, that can that is not going to lose a step. Um, and as good as that NL West division is with the Rockies, like you said, and the Diamondbacks, who we haven't talked about, another wild card contender, um, you know, the Dodgers are just pretty easily five, ten wins better than anybody else in that division. Um, so, you know, they they have a strong system and they have what they need to replace guys. Um, so betting against them is, is just incredibly difficult to do. And that's the reason, by the way, for angry D-backs fans, the reason why I picked the Rockies to win that wild card spot instead of the D-backs, I think the Rockies' depth is more pronounced. I don't know if the Rockies are a markedly better team going into 2018 than they were coming out of 2017. And the D-backs, I think you could say the same thing about. The D-backs did make a couple of moves. The Rockies' bullpen obviously is much improved. The D-backs changed some things up with the outfield situation. They acquired Steven Souza Jr. But I don't think if the D-backs deal with injuries, I don't think there is as much in the system – to supplement that roster as there is in Colorado. And that's what you need when you're one of those teams. But one of the cool things, this is what we'll pivot to is that all of these teams have prospects who could factor in, in major ways for the Yankees, obviously Glaber Torres, Francisco Mejia could play a big factor for the Indians Uh, for the Astros. It's a host of guys, but obviously Kyle Tucker is a big name. Um, When you look across all of these teams that are expected to win their division, there are prospects at the highest levels that could make huge impacts. Victor Robles, we saw up at the end of last season with the Washington Nationals. We talked about Walker Bueller. The Cubs maybe are kind of the one exception to this rule. Um, the Cubs, that system has changed so much in recent years. The best talent in that system is at its lowest levels. So that's probably the one that's removed from this conversation. But that's really cool that we have potential impact guys who could really factor into the picture for these teams fairly early on in the season. Yeah. And that's kind of how almost like legends are born is that you come up as a young player, you do really well. And all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, who is this guy? Why haven't we been using him all along? Well, it's because he's been developed. You know, they, they, he's been in a system that doesn't need to call him up immediately. They want to call him up as as a fully formed athlete, uh, as a fully formed pitcher, as a fully formed hitter is, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I had a lot of fun with the Nationals calling up Victor Robles last year uh, at the end of the year because he is so fast. He can he is major league ready on defense. Um, you know, he's going to make plenty of highlight catches and he's major league ready on the base paths. You know, he's going to get home to third as quick as almost anybody in the majors outside of Byron Buxton and Billy Hamilton. Um, and, you know, the, the Nationals aren't in a spot right now where they need to have him up at the beginning of the year either. Adam Eaton's healthy now. Michael A. Taylor was really good last year for them, and Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper. Um, So, you know, they'll bring up Robles when he is banging down the door. Um, You know, maybe it takes an injury here and there, but they also have Andrew Stevenson, who's another prospect who they can kind of rely on and allow Robles to to continue to grow at AAA where he hasn't played yet. Um, You know, some of the other guys you mentioned, Torres, Andahar, in the Yankee system, I really wanted them to start the year on the opening day roster, but at the end of the day, it might, it might be better for them to completely mash it at Scranton Wilkesbury and to show, like, yeah, we're ready to take this over now. We know you got Brandon Drury in the offseason. We know you signed Neil Walker, um, but we have higher ceilings. We're the future of this franchise, and we're going to make this really difficult on the Yankees to go to go forward. The Yankees would love that situation to come. Um, you know, there's still some questions about Enderhart's defense. They might move him over to first base. Uh, they're starting to do that a little bit with him uh, following the injury to Greg Bird. Torres, they're going to continue playing at second, at short, maybe a little bit of third, trying to find a spot for him. Um, But, you know, all these teams, there's a reason why they are competitive. It's it's not necessarily just because they're spending anymore. It's because they have the internal replacements. It's because they can continue to have conveyor belts of talent and – yeah, they're a big reason why we expect a lot of teams that were really good last year to be to continue to be good in 2018. Why do we not name this podcast Conveyor Belts of Talent? That would have been terrific. That, that's a good point. I don't know if it I, – I still it's like the show before the show so much. Like, nah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It is pretty it, good. It ties in the idea of it being a podcast and it's a pun on the major leagues and all that kind of stuff. Conveyor good. Belts it of was Talent, my- though, we should come up with some sort of feature for that. 
We should. That should be like the subhead. It'll be every episode. Will be the show before the show. Conveyor belts of tales. Yes. Something like that. Or like when they make a sequel to a movie and it's not like the movie title two. It's like the movie title and then another movie title that follows it. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the Major League season is uh, probably underway by the time you're listening to this. Um, if you're a, a person like us who wakes up at a you know a little bit more leisurely hour than the average human being, so uh, well maybe I can't really say that for Sam, but for those of us covering the game night stuff, we gotta like stock up on the sleep now because we're gonna have. Well, I shouldn't really say that. We're not necessarily going to have the crazy late nights anymore because of the extra innings rule. So that's true. You know, you know we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Just because there's yeah, going to be a see. runner on second base doesn't mean there's not going to be some 15 inning games of. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what the longest game this year is because I guarantee we'll still have some crazy game where teams go in tied at three three and it ends up 13 11 and 17 innings. Like that would be outstanding right. to be honest. Right. It'd probably be very entertaining. Um, so uh, send us your predictions. Whoever you think is going to factor in most among prospects of the Major League Baseball picture in 2018. Podcast at milb.com at Sam Dykstra milb on Twitter. I am at Tyler Mon and. Uh, we're headed off to talk with Benjamin Hill next about 2018 road trips and a little bit more for the upcoming season. Ben joins the show from the studio in New York for the first time in forever. Ben Hill next. Well, for the first and last time in the month of March, we're back to normal with Benjamin Hill ahead of the 2018 season who joins us back in the uh, palatial New York headquarters of MILB.com. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tyler, and hello, Sam, sitting to my right. Hello, Ben. Um, it is uh, road trip season, road trip itinerary season, which is uh, kind of the last real stage, I guess, before the start of the regular season, which Ben lets us know where he's going to be in the 2018 season. And those blog posts up right now, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. we got the first couple up uh, on the blog of five. And I think by the time this episode is released, um, the third installment of those road trips will be up. But tell us about some of these early trips when you're starting off in uh, May will be the first swing. And that one's going to take you down uh, through Delmarva and Bowie and then kind of circling back around toward New York City. But give us a rundown on the road trips for 2018. Yeah, well, let me preface this by saying um, this will be my ninth season of official professional ballpark travel uh, for MILB.com and, of course, the affiliated Ben's Biz blog. And, um, you know, in the previous eight seasons, I've been to uh, 155 of the 159 active minor league stadiums, uh, been to 13 stadiums that are no longer with us, uh, you know, made multiple trips to various stadiums. So well over 200 ballpark visits in total. So, you know, my theme this year is uh, Ben Everywhere. Hashtag Ben Everywhere. I've been everywhere, man. And uh, I, there's only four teams left that I've never been to. So that's kind of a focus. Um, and those four are the Florida Fire Frogs, the Augusta Green Jackets, who I visited in their old ballpark, but they're moving into a new one. And then the two teams in uh, your neck of the woods, Tyler. That means... By neck of the woods, I mean entire state, but uh, Grand Junction and Colorado Springs. So those are interspersed throughout, and those are the big ones because this will be the first season. By the end of it, I can say every minor league ballpark, I've been there. And uh, that's significant to me if perhaps no one else. But, you know, I, I need milestones. Milestones are crucial to uh, my self-esteem. Do you know how many that it would be in total? Because you've been a, a handful of ballparks that have already passed on from their minor league lives. Have you kept a tally of the total number? Well, that would at the end of this season, it would be um, 172 different minor league Man. stadiums, um, along with uh, I, I haven't done an official tally of how many visits, but there's some ballparks I've been to two or three times, so probably in the 210, 220 range in terms of visits, uh, which by the end of the season, as I said, will have been at 172 different parks, <laughs> and uh, it's been a lot. It's been a while. It's been going on for a long time. Um, but anyway, so I mentioned the four I've never been to, but for our purposes, that's neither here nor there in talking about some of these early trips because my other focus this season was simply going to ballparks that I have not visited for quite some time. And so the first trip is, you know, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I obviously live in New York City now. So it's a fairly local trip for me. And in the past, I've kind of maybe not gone to local ballparks as much as I should just because I've been trying to prioritize getting to places I've never been in regions of the country I've never been. Uh, so all these teams I really haven't visited officially since 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, so that's, that's a long time. And instead of making it one trip, you know, over like a week span or 10 day span, which is usually what I do, 
I realized, hey, why not spread it out over the weekends when there's better promos, bigger crowds, more energy, that kind of thing. Because as I mentioned in my blog post, I get real tired of you know showing up to some team on a Tuesday night and they're like, oh, I mean, nice to see you, but could you have come like any other night? And that's that's the reality of minor league baseball, and I kind of enjoy some of the dead nights. But for this first trip, I said, hey, how about no dead nights? Let's uh, do this on the weekend. So starting the season on May 4th with the Delmarva Shorebirds. That's their Star Wars night. May 5th, the Bowie Bay Sox. So they have a tribute to the Negro Leagues, and it's also Cinco de Mayo. Then uh, the following Thursday, May 10th, uh, visiting Harrisburg for the f- first official time since 2010. I mean, where does the time go? And they have a 1K beer run. So if you know anyone in Harrisburg who wants to be documented running a 1K pregame beer run, um, let me know. That'll be part of my coverage for sure. Uh, May 11th, the Lakewood Blue Claws, a Friday night. They have a Jurassic Park promotion. Uh, April 12th, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, another Star Wars promotion with the Iron Pigs, uh, Saturday, May 12th. And then finally, the following Friday, May 18th, the Trenton Thunder for their first uh, pork roll game of the year uh, in which they'll be suiting up as the uh, Thunder pork roll. The Thunder pork roll. The Thunder pork roll. And, uh, you know, it's pork roll celebration night, so this will be their biggest pork roll event of the year. So that's uh, six teams spread out over three weekends. Uh, We haven't worked out the specifics, but uh, your friend and mine, Sam Dykster, will join me for some of them and uh, be the first time we kind of have two MILB.com writers at the same ballpark. Well, not the first time we've had two writers at the same ballpark, but first time me and another writer, myself and another writer, uh, will be able to sort of divvy up the coverage and provide, uh, you know, the full – spectrum of the minor league baseball experience but uh i believe sam still needs to uh cross some t's and dot some i's in terms of determining uh exactly what what games he'll be on the schedule with me yeah mostly it will come down to you know a lot of these teams haven't confirmed rosters and all that kind of stuff and even going into may trying to predict who will still be there uh, might be a little difficult but all of these are pretty decent drive away from new york city they're drivable at the very least so i have a car now i can i can hit some of these up and uh, i think that's going to be a lot of fun something different we haven't done before like ben said um he, you know he's always providing the off the field point of view when he when he's on these field trips or field trips on these i call trips. them field trips yeah, yeah field trips yeah they're tons of fun you know nothing wrong with calling them field trips yeah uh when he's on these trips you know he's doing off the field i could be there doing on the field and we could kind of just combine the two and have kind of the full experience to give folks an idea of what it's like to be, you know, in Lakewood or Lehigh Valley uh, in the beginning of 2018. So that'll be something different for me and that'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun for the two of us to be there at the same time as well. I can't wait till our Pulitzer. (laughs) Sam, what's the the place? You need to come up with like a fun name for this (laughs) night, like a fun hashtag maybe. Yeah, I'll, we'll work on this. We'll work on that. If somebody out there has an idea for a fun hashtag on the uh, – don't combine our initials. Don't do it like, like BS night or something like that, but we'll come up with something. I don't know, man. Go. BS night sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from the outsider's point of view, I'm sure that does sound good, Tyler. Ben, over the course of uh, of all these trips that you've been going on, what's the the thing when you do something? I mean, do you change it up from year to year? Like, will there be things in 2018 that you anticipate doing or uncovering or studying about teams that are different from what you've done in past seasons? Yeah, and as I said, um, especially with the teams on the itinerary that I have visited in the past, you know, I'm looking at places I went in 2010, 2011, and uh, you know, this whole beat, this whole niche, whatever you want to call it, uh, is something that. You know, it's really I've sort of made up a lot of it as I've gone along in terms of how to cover it. So uh, in going to a team for the first time in six, seven years, you know, there's a designated eater now, uh, you know, someone who samples the uh, ballpark cuisine and gets documented doing that. Uh, You know, that didn't exist in the past. Um, You know, just just in terms of the evolution with technology, things I can do on my phone, the way I can do things on social media. uh, You know, I want to emphasize video coverage a little bit more this year to the extent I am able, you know, just as one man with an iPhone. Um, and, and, and because a lot of these are repeat visits, you know, also talking to teams and saying, look, it doesn't need to just be the, you know, the, the Ben's biz standard overview. Um, you know, what are some angles? What are, you know, some things we could explore, you know, maybe shadow a specific job at the ballpark and, you know, focus on one person or one element. Um, and that's one of the things I like about, uh, 
this, doing what I do is it doesn't have to follow a specific formula. It's not necessarily deadline oriented. It's mostly just about showing up at a place and getting what you can out of it. So I'm trying to be open as possible as I can. But the general formula, of course, will still be I'll try to isolate something for a standalone feature and have other material on the blog, part of that food based. Um, but beyond that, you know, we'll just see what direction things can go. And where's the uh, the second leg of the trip? We talked about this kind of northeastern. It's not even a swing, like you said. It's just kind of weekends. But the second portion of the trip um, seems gonna seems like it's gonna be more of an actual traditional Ben's Bids trip than than we've seen in the past, I guess. Well, for this year, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and again, trying to this is mostly replicating a, a trip I took in 2011. Um, starting off at the Lake County Captains on Thursday, June 14th, then to uh, Mahoning Valley, you know, play the Youngstown, Ohio area for their New York Penn League opening day on June 15th, the Toledo Mud Hens on June 16th, Fort Wayne Tin Caps on Father's Day, June 17th, and then uh, more or less a quote-unquote off day on the 18th because there's nothing I could find, uh, you know, applicable to the schedule but heading up into Lansing for June 19th and the Midwest League All-Star Game. And that'll be essentially the first time I've covered an All-Star Game on one of these trips. And so that'll be an interesting element as well. So, uh, you know, five teams on that house uh, or on that trip, <laughs> Ohio, Indiana, and then, uh, you know, ending in Lansing, Michigan. Is there anything special the Midwest League is doing this year for its All-Star Game? Or was this kind of the point of emphasis for this trip? Uh, no, it wasn't. It was mostly just looking and saying, man, I haven't been to Lake County, Mahoning Valley, Toledo, Fort Wayne since 2011. And again, just feeling how long ago that is, uh, both in, you know, maybe in terms of how the teams operate, certainly in, how, in terms of I, how I operate. And uh, the Midwest League All-Star Game, I kind of found incidentally as I was putting the itinerary together. And I was like, oh, wait, I could slot that in. That'll be different. And um, I don't I haven't seen the Lugnuts announce too much specific information uh, regarding what they have planned, because um, obviously beyond the All-Star Game, they'll have a home run derby and uh, other sort of events uh, surrounding the game itself. So I'll be in touch with them as the weeks and months progress and uh, have a better idea of that for sure. And then you've got one more that's been announced so far. I think you're doing five this year, right? Yeah, but the, the third one. Right. So you got the third one, which is going through the south. Um, this post will be up today on Thursday when you guys are listening to this. So go to the blog and, and check that out. But that, that, this one's going to be starting in Florida and then heading northward from there. Yeah, I mean, hitting the Florida Fire Frogs, one of the only team in Florida I've never visited on uh, July 13th. That's not a Thursday, Thirsty Thursday. It's a free beer Thursday. Free beer is until uh i believe the deal is until someone scores so who knows how that's wow. gonna work yeah but uh we'll see uh then head north from there to uh daytona, daytona tortugas who i have not visited in the tortuga era they were the cubs last time i visited them uh, in 2012 i believe um and i'll be there for the big shell bowski their big lebowski promotion uh then heading uh further north uh into the Florida Panhandle area, Jacksonville, the Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, and I'll be there for words with fans in which uh, they're wearing Scrabble theme jerseys on the field. And uh, Scrabble champion Will An Anderson will attempt to set the record for most games of Scrabble played at once. So happy to be in attendance for that. Uh, then spending two get ball games, uh, July 16th and 17th, uh, with the Augusta Green Jackets. And, of course, they're going to be in a new ballpark, SR SRP Park. And uh, then Charlotte, you know, who I actually visited in 2014. So they're my most recent revisit. Don't have a specific plan with them, but I know we're going to come up with something. Uh, July 19th, uh, the Asheville Tourists are going to be playing as the Asheville Hippies on a Thirsty Thursday. And, uh, you know, for those who like this sort of trivia, Asheville uh, actually originated the term. The Tourists originated the term uh, Thirsty Thursday and have it trademarked. And they allow others in minor league baseball to use their trademark, Thirsty Thursday. But that's why you will not see in other leagues the phrase Thirsty Thursday because it's technically owned by the Asheville Taurus. Anyway, July. And then I'm going to go to Johnson City on July 20th to end the trip. I was just in Johnson City two years ago, but it got rained out. And I felt I owed it to them and myself to give them one more try and try to see an actual game in Johnson City. So this is uh, one of the more sprawling trips of the year, uh, beginning with the Florida Fire Frogs who play in the greater Orlando area on July 13th, ending with the Johnson City Cardinals on July 20th. And uh, lots of, uh, you know, uh, premier promotions and uh, pretty crazy stuff. That'll be an action-packed week uh, plus.
for sure. And uh, then coming next week, two more itineraries, a uh, press release sort of summarizing the itineraries, a designated eater post giving uh, you know information on how people can get in touch to apply to be a designated eater and be featured on my blog, uh, Eating the Ballpark Cuisine That My Gluten-Free Diet Prohibits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll be home for April, essentially, here in New York, so just covering uh, you know promotions and notable events from afar until I hit the road, perhaps with Sam Dykstra on May 3rd, or at least sometime right around then. Uh, it'll be the BS tour. So, ladies, don't miss out. Ben Hill's still going to be around for the month of April. <laughs> That's right, lady. You hear that, ladies? Just in case you were wondering. Uh, or you can catch him in uh, in the Mid-Atlantic region over the, the course of the month of May, or at least in those first days. I guess the, it's really only that first trip. I don't think you can call anything else there the Mid-Atlantic. But still, it's going to be on the East Coast. It's an easy trip for all of you. Benjamin Hill is on Twitter. He is at Ben's Biz. The blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com. It's where the road trip itineraries will be. Um, I guess since the, the next ones are coming out next week, we can cover those on, uh, on next week's episode and get everybody out west set for a Ben Hill appearance as well. We're just game planning right. the show in the middle of the show. It's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we will be talking about these things soon. Uh, and before I go, Tyler, can you just share an interesting personal fact about yourself? I would just like uh, our listeners to know more about you. Um, I'm betting this is some kind of joke, and so I'm going to refrain from saying anything from here. It wasn't a joke. I just wanted to know, Tyler. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe next was, week. Thank you. I was you. waiting for how I was being baited. You're not. I don't I have any interesting, to know more about you. I don't have any interesting facts. You know me. If you want to know more about Tyler Mon, um, hit him up on Twitter, I guess. But I just wanted uh, to share. I know people like hearing about you and wanted to know more. That's all. Okay. That's not a joke. <laughs> this is what happens when Ben's not on the show for weeks. Exactly. We're all out of our rhythm. I'm yeah. just assuming it was all an elaborate uh, a plan to set up some type of terrific comedic effect that would come out of this March 28th episode. There was just a month's worth of ground laying for it, but I guess not. I guess Nope, not. I just wanted to know, So what Tyler. have you been doing for the month then, if not that? How oh, was Weird uh, Al, by the way? That was the first one that removed you from the the podcast. How was it? Yeah, I saw Weird Al three times in the month of March, um, and uh, even though I was a VIP and paid a lot of money to see him in Terrytown on March 1st, which is, you know, uh, just north of New York City proper, uh, the two shows at the Apollo Theater um, this past Thursday and Friday, the 22nd and 23rd, were phenomenal. And I had such a great time, and uh, I really lost my mind for some of those songs. Uh, the Thursday show, he played uh, Biggest Ball Twine in Minnesota, which is really one of my favorite songs of all time, so I kind of lost my mind a little bit. Uh, Friday, I got to hear him play Dog Eat Dog, uh, which is another song I absolutely love, and uh, it's huge. So, you know, so that was a big development in my life. Uh, my brother Andy uh, had a kid, Hayden Rose Hill. Hey, congratulations. So, well, yeah, so yeah, I got a new niece who I haven't even met yet because I I was seeing Weird Al instead. You have to have priorities. <laughs> and um, yeah, so there's, there's been a lot going on. I, I could go even deeper into it, but you know, I just assumed your question was an elaborate setup for a joke, so I got to go. It was, but then you made it too meaningful with the whole knees thing. Benjamin Hill on Twitter, new uncle and uh, and the man of the road trips in 2018. And we'll get to the rest of them coming up next week. Um, and you can find him at Ben's Biz and the blog again, bensbiz.mlblogs.com to check out these first few itineraries. And uh, Ben, we'll be uh, we'll be excited to hear about numbers four and five next week. I'll be excited to tell you. Final podcast, really, for all intents and purposes, before opening day of the 2018 minor league season, wrapping up. Uh, next one will basically be our opening day show, so we'll count that as its own season show. And uh, we're excited to get a chance to talk uh, around the MILB.com offices and elsewhere with uh, some season predictions from our staff who have gone through prospect primers and gotten you all set for 2018. We always do like a mega cast on opening day. we got to figure out something fun for this year. Yeah, we, we don't even have anything to preview yet just because we're still in the planning yeah. stages of that. But I, I feel like that's our – But it's going to be good. We'll tell you Oh, that. no, for sure. It's, it's our <laughs> most fun podcast. No matter what. Yeah, that is true. I feel that like is definitely true. And it, um, it'll be a way we'll, we'll have more voices than just ours and just Ben's. Don't worry. Um, we'll be, bring back some of your favorite guests from the podcast. Um, but yeah, we'll have tons to talk about to preview the season. And then the podcast after that, we'll actually be talking about minor league games. And won't that be fun? Say goodbye for the final time from the offseason. He is Sam Dykstra. I am Tyler Mon. And we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.